0: This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today to get access to our BSBOTs, Discord, and much more. The season is almost here. We found our punching bags, and we talk about them today, and Lafreniere and Jonathan Quick, and a bunch more. Greg and I also have our friend Lars on, our new friend Lars from Hockey Statistics. You should go check out what he does. One of the more um, interesting statistics sites I've seen in terms of playing with the lines and such like that. Very, very fun. Good interview with him. Come back, answer some five-star questions, and get ready. For the season, which is very, very close, final cuts being made soon. BSBOT later this week. Let's get to the show now. Transition slash here we go. Whichever. How do I open the show again? Right, I'm I'm back, baby. Here we go.
1: Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. (laughs)
0: Hey, Bushwick Breaker fans, Welcome to the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host Greg Kaplan, and it's the preseason, which means we're not really trying, <laughs> right? That's what we're doing. That's how yeah. that works.
1: I'm going. I'm going off script today. I didn't warn you about this, which is my my MO. I do think Wait, we should start. What do you mean? This is oh, the script.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are I, you talking about? <laughs>
1: I do think we should start by just giving a big, big uh, audio shout out to Aaron Portsline, who's That's going a through one. a hell of a yes. time right now. Uh, he's been nothing but kind to us when he never had to be his podcast appearance that he did with us is a core memory for me because he broke big news on it. He literally he broke didn't the have Panera to do news. that with yes. us either. Um, and, you know, we don't have the world's greatest memories from our time with a certain company, but Portsline was one of the guys that was never anything but overly kind, overly sweet and uh, thoughts and all that to him dialysis is a motherfucker. um i i know i've had family members go through it myself it is a hell of a thing and, it, and if you are in a position where you can get yourself tested to see not just for aaron's sake but for anybody uh if you could be a potential kidney donor in a match with someone that lo- long ass list of people needing a kidney is super important so whatever we can do to put the word out there that it's something worth getting checked out great and then yeah just Nothing but love for Aaron. That guy is one of the best. Truly.
0: Could not agree more. One of the, I think that speaks to his character the most in his statement is that my blue Columbus blue jackets coverage might be
1: hampered here or there. (laughs) He's like, yeah, dude, he's a madman. He's a madman. He, he loves what he does. He loves the team. He covers. Um, we, I, I know he loves interacting with people that, uh, talk about his work and ask him questions and, he's one of the guys that I've never heard a bad word about, and I don't know how it would be possible to hear a bad word about. I wish Portsline the best, uh, and
0: all we can do is continue to support him from afar and do what we can do while he goes through his own battles. That's so it. So now
1: should, should we uh, dive back into how people are losing their fucking minds about Alex yeah, Lafreniere?
0: Yeah, we can start there. Uh, there's a lot to, to go about here, because I think there's, um, as there are in almost all conversations, a bit of duality. Mm. Like you can you can have two thoughts at the same time. It's not just that this kid is garbage and he hasn't worked out (laughs) or he's only played softball, whatever you want to say about him. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere hasn't had the greatest preseason Mm -hmm. hasn't really stuck out in any single way. I would say he's also learning to play a right wing for maybe the sixth time in his entire career. Okay, cool. New coach. A lot going on. Um, and yes, would it be nice if Alexi Lafreniere, a uh, number one overall pick that we all had tremendously high hopes for, would just in a preseason game go bonkers bananas against players that are simply uh, below his caliber? Like, let, let's be honest, right? Like, he's playing against a lot of um, AHL caliber players, which he should be making look a fool of. And he's looked pedestrian to average a lot of the preseason. <laughs> he's but looked average said, to
1: average, is what you just said there, by the way.
0: Yes, it's a fancy way of saying that. And <laughs> uh, on top, uh, just with all that, I would want more out of Lexi Lafreniere. But is it the end of the world? Absolutely not. There are other players, and I think this is kind of where we'll get into it. Panarin looked like total trash in the last game. Do you know who is not trying in the preseason? Artemi Panarin. He's not. I know that some of you out there are very uh, harsh of Panarin, or the way he, he handled the playoffs. You are Absolutely right to say that you want more out of your star player who makes uh, what third most in the NHL or fourth most, whatever it is now. Uh In the playoffs, you're right. If you're sitting there and saying Artemi Panarin isn't likely to get us 85 plus points as a floor this single this year <laughs> as a New York Ranger, you're probably kidding yourself because he didn't play well in a preseason game. Mika Zibanejad has looked bad. I know he's nursing an injury. Uh, the only two players that have really looked like they have jumps in their steps, to be honest, including Adam Fox in this list, by the way, is Will Cooley and Offman, And that's because they're playing for roster spots and playing to make impressions and playing to make the NHL, despite likely not doing that. So there, there's, there's two ways to think about this. Can you freak out in the preseason because Lafreniere and other major veteran players aren't going all out and blocking pucks? Probably not. Probably should cool down. Could you also be concerned that your number one overall pick isn't just destroying and just taking advantage of this time and showing more in a preseason where he, he that you and I have said, Greg, this is the make it or break it year for Alexi Lafreniere, and he has not. Yes, you could do that. Guess what, everybody? You could do both, but you don't have to go to the extremes on each one where it's just, "Hey, Will Cooley, we think Will Cooley's better than Alexi Lafreniere." I got news for everybody. Probably not. Probably like well, cool, a hell of a player. Uh, definitely fits the mold of what Chris is trying to build. Good shot. Same thing with Othman. Othman plays with a lot of uh, edge and guts, or whatever you want to call it. But Alexi Lafreniere is a more skilled player than both of them. He will get the opportunity. He has more even strength goals than a lot of Rangers on this team. He has had no power play time. We've all been through it a million times. I'm not worried yet. I'm concerned. I'm definitely concerned. I've sort of admitted to myself that he'll never be number one overall pick quality. He is what he is at this point. But that doesn't mean he can't be a great NHLer. That doesn't mean he can't have a long career in the top six. I don't know if you know about Chris Kreider. I'm not a number one overall pick. I, I get it. Drafted late in the first round. Took him a long time to get to where he is now. Alexis Lafreniere needs to hurry that process up if he wants to be playing in the top six. But I'm just not. I am not freaking out in the preseason, Greg. These guys are not trying. It is a, it is such a long season. How do you feel just covering the team in March? Right? <coughs> Isn't it so? It's fucking disa- it's a disaster. It's so <laughs> long, and we're just talking about it. And they need to get there to the playoffs and get healthy. I'm not blocking shots. I'm not doing this extra stuff. I get why Laviolette is pissed. I get why he's throwing. Hey, back checking is a natural language. Totally understand. Know why he's doing that. He's trying to set a tone. These guys. Will play in the regular season. They will give it all out when the points matter. I'm not concerned about it, but they, but there is a way to think
1: both ways, Greg. It's not just one. I just want to know when we started giving a shit about the preseason. I when did this happen? I I'm old enough, Ryan, to remember that people were yelling at us and joking about us that we were taking the preseason too seriously when Adam Clendenning was out playing Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl. I I remember. I, I remember. It, it's well he was he was <laughs> he was he was and, and everyone was like oh you're crazy you gotta stick with the veterans blah blah it's just preseason None of this shit matters it either matters or it doesn't I was told it didn't matter I've operated my entire life under that premise listen it's the fucking preseason I would. I like you said would I like Alexa Lafreniere to look better yeah does it mean Alexa Lafreniere is gonna suck once the preseason is over oh no. Fucking preseason! What are we? What in God's name are we doing? You know who looked good in preseason, Ryan? Who's that? Zach Wilson looked great. He did things that were now. This is a tough, tough one to do because he actually looked fine yeah, against looked the Chiefs fine last Chiefs. night. Yeah, he did. But he's still Zach fucking Wilson. Um, did you see Zach Wilson was the first quarterback in Patrick Mahomes' entire career? To have more touchdowns, more yards, and fewer interceptions in a single game than Patrick Mahomes—that
0: is a stat that I would never believe. Right? It's just like <laughs> it, it, this is why I think life is a simulation. I really do. Like that's just something you
1: can't make up. Uh, he saw Hugh Jackman up there, and he's like, "I got to do it." Um, oh, God, I, I don't, Ryan. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't. It's one thing to be disappointed in Alexis Lafreniere's performance. That's fine. It's another thing to be so disappointed in it that you feel the need to talk about it on a non-game day it was an NFL Sunday yesterday and I was still reading Alexi Lafreniere discourse before the Taylor Swift happened part of that was me I understand uh but it's me defending the man I just I'm I'm so tired what what I I get it all right here's the thing though we all had we all agreed before training camp started, that the best thing for Brennan Othman was to go down to Hartford, tear shit up, and come up two months later and then be a fixture in the Rangers' lineup moving forward. We all agreed. We all said things like it doesn't matter what he does in training camp. Let's get this kid who lost an entire year of development some legs under him before we put him in the fire. That was the agreement. And now this guy looks good playing against Joe Blow and his brother Bob and all of a sudden we want him in the starting lineup just because he's the only guy that looks like he's trying in training camp? I just I, – I'm so confused. I, By the way, that's because he is one of the only two guys that are trying in training camp. Because they, nobody else has to try. They've
0: been promised spots. They don't care. They don't care, man. Not I'm even
1: sure. – Ryan, in February and March – I don't know if you remember February and March. You brought those months up. It sounds like you do. There was a guy on the New York Mets having a hell of a spring training – his name's Brett Beatty. His spring training was going so well, and Eduardo Escobar was laying such an egg in the World Baseball Classic in spring training that people were making a scene saying the Mets needed to break camp with Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty needs to be the everyday third baseman. He needs to be the guy on this team. Remind me again, Ryan, what Brett Beatty did this season. You, uh, I think you hate him because he stinks. He stinks! <laughs> I it. It's the worst! Yeah, I understand. It's almost, Ryan, it's almost like... Sorry, Buck. It's, uh we're going to talk about that. I have thoughts. At end of the show, yeah. It's almost like anything that happens in training camp doesn't fucking matter. I think the practices matter way more than the games. Yeah. All people are doing, all veterans and young veterans are doing in the games is not getting injured. In, the Rangers are so distracted by Alexi Lafreniere that they may have missed how Mark Stone got run in a Golden Knights-Kings game. And everybody got angry that a rookie had the audacity to lay a hit. That was the entire narrative coming out of it.
0: I saw both sides on that one where it's like, hey, you're playing hockey. But to me, it's ridiculous. Like, these are your – if you're the
1: NHL, these are your star
0: products. You kind of need them. It's It's really important.
1: To me, it's it's not even about whether the – I'm fine with the hit that happened. It didn't seem dirty. It seemed like in the normal run of play. And a player is trying to make a name for himself. That's great. To me, the point I'm trying to make is – the entire narrative coming out of that game is, should people be getting hit in training camp? That's the narrative. The answer yes is no, the by the way. <laughs> yeah. but, it's so no. We're, we're talking about games in which veterans don't want to lay hits or get hit. And they need to take the performance of Alexi Lafreniere seriously in these Fugazi joint practices? If... If Mar- Mark
0: Stone never reacts that way, if it's game one and a guy from the AHL somehow made the team on the fourth line and hits him, not once does Mark Stone say a goddamn thing if it's game one and it counts for points. Doesn't it at all? But because that game is a preseason game and it's a joint practice, like you said, it matters a lot. Now, the one thing I can re- legitimately be concerned about, but I have answers to in the preseason, is Jonathan Quick. Th- that's it. He looks very sloppy. Uh, I'm hoping he can turn it around. I'm hoping he can start to see the pucks. I think he still has it in him. He could still be a solid backup. But by the way, and I said this on Twitter yesterday, or X, whatever you want to call it these days, Twitter X, uh, Benoit Lear exists. There are plenty of good backup goalies. Keith Kincaid ain't walking through that door because he's at New Jersey Devil. But he could be a Ranger again if you wanted. I'm sure they can make it happen. But there are plenty of good quality backups available for Benoit Layer to create, to mold, to do
1: all these things with. Did Halak sign yet? By the way, no. So look, he's still out there. <laughs> I, there's, Ryan, there's nothing in the world I care less about than who the backup goalie is for the New York Rangers.
0: There's things I care less about, uh, but it is low on my priority list. I, I just think if Quick is really as bad as he is, if he's really as cooked as he is, five games into the season. Uh, by the way, Halak, what was he one and seven to start last year,
1: no, and he then started zero and four for sure.
0: Whew, it was tough, and later on in the season, Halak became a stalwart played really well was definitely uh i felt very comfortable with him in net had no problem whatsoever quick can do the same could take the same path right now he looks like absolute terrible garbage but it's just there's almost nothing to complain about in camp because <laughs> it's just lafreniere and quick right it's only two like stories. it's fucking camp it, it's who camp man? cares it's Who camp. cares i'm pumped that Othman and, and cooley look so good that's awesome. That's great depth because people will get hurt this year and they will need
1: to play for the Rangers. I'm going to, mostly because I want to see if I can get him to drive his car off the road. I'm going to make fun of Adam, et right now. Whoa. Because he's, he's a guy on the Twitters, uh, the X's, that I saw something that lost my mind. Adam, you know what? I'm going to read the tweet verbatim. Just so wow, I. Have we're it.
0: really just destroying this man. Yeah. Yeah. He
1: deserves, it. he needs to be humbled. He's a good looking man his life is completely intact. It's fine. He's going to, he's going to love this entire part of the, this is going to be his favorite part of the podcast. Sure. But he said, uh, he retweeted the Michael Silver's video of Alexi Lafreniere just coasting. Uh, haven't watched a second of preseason because there's not much I expect to learn, but dear God, I don't care if it's preseason or off season. This is gross. Here's my thing. one, You didn't watch the game. Two, that video has no fucking context for how long Lafreniere was on the ice before he needed to back check. And three, it shows none of the good things that Lafreniere was doing in the offensive zone before that turnover happened and he was completely out of gas. So, I don't know. If you didn't watch the game, I don't think you can wager an opinion. Just saying. Uh,
0: I don't don't know why I I did this big... Deep dive on Alexi Lafreniere Sunday morning. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I was watching Nottingham Forest. You, you were
1: trying to distract yourself from Liverpool because you're a little baby. Oh, not a little baby there. <laughs> They're
0: terrible.
2: <laughs> Those
1: Liverpool ref- fans and Jet fans are just like the Bloods and the Crips right now meeting in the middle to come out against refereeing. They
0: literally, I'm saying, they literally went to the UAE and got paid $20,000 at a five-star hotel before they were the game.
1: Oh, it's bad.
0: Anyway, um... I was trying to distract myself for some things. Maybe you named some yeah. <laughs> um, on Sunday morning. And uh, I went back and tried to find this uh, scouching who I think got hired by a team or quit the internet. Anyway, scouching used to be one of the better YouTube scouts for the NHL, NHL prospects. Uh, he had a video that was about 30 minutes long, Alexi Lafreniere. He had Lafreniere ranked over number one overall like literally everybody else did on earth. But I remember trying to hype myself up on Alexi Lafreniere. As you should, he's like 200 points in two years in juniors, one of the most prolific players in stat lines, you could see. And I was watching the highlight tape, and the negatives just kind of kept going when I was watching with scouting. I was like, this is weird. Like, doesn't move his feet a lot, kind of doesn't know his positioning, has great hockey IQ on the offensive zone, can make passes. And I've seen all these things with Lafreniere. But the kind of lingers along and doesn't move his feet thing is still in his game. It hasn't gotten out yet. Now, Is that an example in preseason? For sure. Is he probably gassed and not giving it his all in that situation? Also true. It is a lot of both, where these are things he needs to fix. He needs to get in his mind and get in the right position and not just float throughout and get exposed on the ice because he needs to be defensive responsibly. And he also needs to find ways to make those incredible passes that he did. There's so much Lafreniere can do that that players cannot do just in general. It's can he get comfortable enough, can he get coached enough, and can he find a way to find his footing, I guess, or skating, whatever you want to say, on the right wing uh, moving forward. Because this, like you said, it's the it's the make or break year. There's nothing else for Lafreniere. It's all right there for him. He can take it all. And I think that's why us as fans are just like, hey, man, we've given it to you on a silver platter. At least try and move the needle a little bit. But I also see his side.
1: It's both. I just don't care. <laughs> if, I care. If I there's care. a problem, if there's a problem a month into the season, it's not like you and I are going to continue to make excuses for Alexi Lafreniere. It's not going to no, happen. 15 we'll games and call
0: me, I will be slandering
1: the boy. I'd say 10. Yeah. I'll go even lower. Just a, an ample enough size of data for us to work with in a game that fucking matters. I just don't take anything happening in these preseason games as serious. We're making... We're, we're grilling Alexi Lafreniere. I didn't see Artemi Panarin doing much. I still haven't seen Mika Zibanejad do much. I haven't seen Chris Kreider do a ton. You're going to notice the players that are doing something because nobody's doing anything. And yet I'm pretty sure Kreider's going to be in the lineup. I'm pretty sure Mika's going to be in the lineup. I'm pretty sure Panarin's going to be in the lineup. Pretty sure Trocek's going to be in the lineup. Pretty sure Kako's going to be in the lineup. I can go down the list here. Again, we're dealing with hockey where players are getting upset if they are being hit where Matt Rempe needs to stay in camp because if a ranger gets hit. The six, eight giant needs to then punch someone's face in. That's the part of camp we are in. Why That's are true. we taking any of this seriously? I will
0: to end my thoughts on the preseason this week. Uh, very, very happy with the way Othman's playing extremely happy. With He's going
1: to, I am excited for him to put numbers up in Hartford, which he is will. what he needs to do. He will. He will absolutely do that. And I, uh, just to get on the record,
0: I do not think he should make the team whatsoever.
1: No. Whatsoever. No let point. him let him go to Hartford for two months and force his way onto the Rangers. Absolute force. Philip Heedle did this. Ryan Lindgren did this. You go down the list. Players who go to Hartford immediately put up numbers. The Rangers have no bones about then immediately calling them up if they deserve it. But yeah. he didn't play meaningful hockey at all last year. I don't want him going right into the NHL. Possibly having two bad games and then getting glued to the fourth line and not having time to actually find his rhythm and find his game. It's a tale as old as time. Let him eat first line minutes in Hartford with Riley Nash and Will Cooley and whoever else is on his line. Let him be a star in a lower league and bring him up when the time is right. Could agree more. All right, let's go uh let's go to our guest and then we'll come back
0: with some five star questions. Or right, did you wanna did you want to do anything else before we go to that? No, no. No, okay. no, no, no. Uh, we're gonna have Lars from hockey statistics. Uh, what is it? Statistics or is you that? No, that's word? a
1: good question. It. Uh, we're gonna have him pronounce it because yeah, I. I tried I'm, to
0: pronounce it myself and it didn't. He uh, is
1: hockey statistics on the Twitters. I just didn't think it was. Uh, I it was uh, but I believe right his at is like hockey skite.
0: Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, let's get to him. He's gonna talk to us about what lines work best and why certain players are ranked certain ways, and we'll uh, we'll come right back. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest and only guest of the day. We have Lars from Hockey Statistics. Lars, uh, you've come on to the Hockey Statistics scene over the past couple of weeks. I saw your charts just going all over the place on Twitter. You can make unique line combinations. Uh, first of all, people find tell people where they can find you and tell us how you got into the game.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on hockey-statistics.com or you can find me on Twitter or X, I suppose you should call it now. Yes. Uh, at hockey, Skritte. Skritte is Skytte. Skytte is S K Y T T E, and that's just my name. Uh, so I got into hockey statistics like years ago. Uh, I always played hockey growing up in Denmark. I played hockey, uh, and then at some point I switched over to a co- sport sport called floorball. Um, nice. But, but I always played hockey and played sports. And then maybe three or some years ago, I started to think it would be fun to get into uh, the statistical part of things. Uh, so I always like numbers and stats and so. Uh, so just started from there, created the website and then learned as I went along. So I'm mostly just self-taught in what I do.
0: Awesome. Uh so one of the things I noticed about looking through all your statistics you've you've put through some of them are some of them are very easy for us to see, right? So mm-hmm. you've seen I'm sure you've seen all the other hockey statistics sites that do all their charts involving hockey, et cetera. There's tons of them out there. So Igor mm-hmm. Shosturkin, obviously a world beater. he has great stats for you. but then there are questions I have about other players and and how sort of their um, their ranks are formulated. So for example, like let's uh, a really hot topic right now in Rangers land and I don't know if you know this is Alexi Lafreniere. He went one mm-hmm. overall. Um you have him ranked not exactly the best. Uh he's on yeah. the first line for you. I think he's like a 17% overall with like a minus 3.5 offense. I don't know what any of that means. Can you mm-hmm. describe like how these stats uh come to place and and how how is it like is it relevant to other players? How do you how does this work for you?
2: Yeah. So first of all, the lineups is not something that I make up myself it's Mm. it's directly taken from cap frankly's depth charts uh so i don't put any thought into where they're put in the lineups Uh, but the projections themselves are calculated based on what they performed the past the previous three seasons so the last season having the most uh, impact or the most weight Uh, And then in the Alexis Lafreniere case, for instance, it's mostly because he has quite a lot of power play time, but not really producing anything. And that will count against him because I'm using it. So I'm looking at how many points is he scoring on the power play based on what an average player in that same time on ice would perform. And if he's performing below that, then it's a negative number. If he's scoring more than an average forward would do, then he's on a positive. Uh, So because he's playing on the second power play unit and they aren't really producing anything in Rangers land, so that will mean he has a negative value. That being said, even players with negative value can still be above the 50th percentile Mm. uh, because an average player is, is around 60th percentile, I think. Because the best players in the league are having a greater impact than the worst players have a negative impact. If that makes sense.
1: It does. So we were talking through DMs, Lars earlier last week, I believe about Mm -hmm. how we're still trying to find the balance between what a projection system turns out in regards to a player like Alexi Lafreniere and what Mm -hmm. anecdotal evidence turns out because on one hand, uh, you're absolutely right when it comes to Alexis Lafreniere not necessarily producing in the power play time that he's been given. At the same time, Ryan and I simply by choice, question mark, watch a ton of Rangers hockey. And we can tell you the Rangers second power play unit is a complete mess, mostly because it gets less than 35 seconds per power play to do anything. And it's usually starting around the 32nd mark in the defensive zone. And then they have to make a rush and they don't really have time to get set up and produce. So for you, how do you balance what the raw data is telling you versus what you think you're going to find out anecdotally, if you were to dive into the video of the teams?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to claim that my projections are hundred percent right and they are not. And it's not so much about whether they are right or whether they are wrong. I just use it as a tool to to work from. So like in this case, uh, he will probably perform better if he was given chance on the first PP unit. Uh, so it's more, you can't just take the projections as they are. You need to interpret them as well. Uh, And the same thing goes for Shostorkin, because, I mean, in the projections, he is projected number one on the Rangers, I think. But his impact is probably going to be much larger than that, simply because he has been so good for the last three seasons. Uh, But the model is conservative when it comes to goaltending, because it's so difficult to predict from year to year. So it has to be conservative, but for a goaltender like Shostorkin or Sorokin or Vasilevsky. It probably should be more confident in their performance because they've been so good for so many years, uh, but it's just a sign to be conservative in it in the rankings.
0: so what? One... Oh gone, sorry
2: yes yeah, so so it's more of a guideline to how players will perform than the actual truth, I guess.
0: So when you're when you're making this, you're the first hockey statistics website I've ever seen that really uh lets you make line combinations. It, I think it's why a lot of people on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it these days. I gotta mm. stop saying that because every time I miss say Twitter, I just say whatever you wanna call it. It's such a stupid thing I do. Uh that people have had a lot of fun making these different line combinations. So the 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 model itself takes the averages of all those players and then how does that work when you're actually putting that together?
2: Yeah, so It just is not that complicated, really. It just looks at, so at even strength, what is the average number of goals a forward will score? And then you just take how many goals does, say, Alexis Lafreniere score per minute minus how many goals does an average forward score per minute, and then you multiply by how many minutes he plays. Uh, So the model also takes into account how much is he projected to play Next season. Uh, So, if a player is injured, was injured the entire last season, for instance, someone like Mike Stone, uh, then the model will just put in nothing from last season. So, he will be projected to be regressing towards the mean, even though it's just because he didn't play. So, the model kind of thinks there's a good chance he'll be injured next year as well.
1: Lars, I know when we were talking, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, were you a little surprised by how low in terms of what the perceived perception of the Rangers is versus what your model was putting out? Because I believe you might have the Rangers on the edge of the playoffs or not making the playoffs entirely based on your model.
2: Yeah, I think I had them around 95 points. Uh And I think that's on the low end, uh, simply because I think Sistorkin will be better than projected. uh, And that's mostly it. And plus I have, uh, Jonathan Quick has a very large negative number because he's played so much in the past years and he has performed really poorly. But on the Rangers, I suppose he'll play only a few games or... A lot less. So even if he's really bad, his impact will not be as bad as it shows. Uh, so on a personal note, I'll probably have ranges closer to the 100 point mark. Uh, but that's mostly based on the Storkin, uh projection being too low.
0: Was there a team that you were surprised uh, just resulted so well like i i didn't look at all your teams i've mostly looked at the rangers but for Mm. example i'm sure the devils uh with their analytics ranked them very highly was there a a shocking team that you you looked at your projections and say i just did not expect this team to be here
2: yeah so my model last year in the playoffs was really really low on the vegas golden knights and it turned out they were pretty good in the end (laughs)
0: yeah i think so
2: uh, and even this year, I have uh, the Golden Knights around the same mark as the Rangers. Uh, so it's really, really low on the on the Golden Knights. And some of that is because uh, someone like Mike Stone and even Jack Eichel have too low projections because they've been injured so much. So if they are fully healthy, they'll probably perform better than the projections indicate.
1: In your opinion... Because what, what drew me to your site was the physical being able to put players in line combinations, seeing what impact they've had on mm. the ice before. Has Have you seen that being the tool that people lean on the most? Because frankly, I just think it's you are doing something that a lot of other sites either they do it, but it's a bit more complicated how they do it or they simply don't do it at all.
2: Yeah, so the truth is, it's not so straightforward to go from the NHL API and to build a Lime tool like that because you have to transform the shift data quite a bit. Uh, that being said, you can find almost the same tool on natural static if you go to their uh, with or without you uh, tool. Uh, but it is a bit complicated just to give you the, the use of that freedom to select any player you want. Uh, because you have to transform the data quite a bit before you can get to that point, uh, but that's more on the nerd. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big file. So, for instance, uh, there are last season there was half a million different shifts. So you have to transform your shift data into line shifts, and then there was a half a million line shifts last season. So it's, uh, you're working with quite big data and you have to have a tool that can handle just sorting those half a million
0: data. Like it's nothing. Got it. And that is a lot of processing. Yeah. There's a lot of processing power. Um, Looking mm. at, looking at the Rangers entire forward corpse right now, uh, I think with well, we we kind of struggle, and I know that the model needs ways to project. Right, it does. Like Alexi mm. Lafreniere is a minus three point six. Like Kapokako is a minus one point one, whichever it is. And you said those could be average, but these are from you're projecting off their entire career. Like Kapokako had such an awful rookie season that is still like his pro- that's still feeding into his projections. Correct?
2: Yeah, it does uh if it was i don't know when caco started but if if it was three seasons ago then it's only one sixth it only factors in one sixth got it and two seasons ago is season one third and then last season is is half of the the projection so that's how that makes in... a lot
0: more sense now that makes a lot more sense because when you look at mm-hmm. some players like uh like barclay goodrow or philip pedal Uh, I'm, I'm sort of surprised Filipino is at a negative number. And maybe this is just the way I'm viewing the model where Mm. it's, yes, it's okay that he's negative, but I see it as bad. Like, but he might actually be above average. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. If you have players that are slightly above average, uh, below average in your third and fourth line, then you're actually in a really good position. What you don't want is you don't want players being minus five or six in your fourth line. Then it's a problem. (laughs)
1: Lars, what I'm curious about, moving away from the motto and more just your personal experience with hockey talk Mm. to me about just what hockey culture is like in Denmark because you're the first Dane to come on the podcast so I have a lot of questions
2: Yeah, sure Uh, There's not a whole lot of hockey uh, culture in Denmark and especially not in the town that I come from I'm from a town called Aarhus, which is the second largest city, but there's not a lot of hockey culture here. Uh, so I think there's around 20 ice rinks or something like that in the entire country of Denmark. Small. So it's it's really, really concentrated on certain cities. So you have a city like Herning, uh, which is where Franz Nielsen, Peter Regan and uh, Frey Andersen comes from. So you have... Like certain cities where there's, where they're really really good at producing high end players, uh, but it's it's only like five six cities in Denmark, uh, and Hanning is not really a big city either. It's just they got the hockey culture there. Uh, Bjorkstrand is from there as well, because his father Todd Bjorkstrand, who's actually American, came to Denmark to play hockey. Uh, he started to build up the entire culture in Herning as well, so so it's it's really based in just a few cities, uh, and then there's nothing like you can't play hockey just for fun. It's very very limited, so it's either elite or nothing, because there's so few rinks. So everyone is fighting for ice time.
0: Interesting uh and is that why you were like okay even though we don't have hockey culture i'm going to create one of the better hockey statistics (laughs) sites on the internet like how did that was that where the leap came because you were like i'm only doing elite like you must have been pretty good if you were playing in in that sense and you wanted to understand the game even even more so
2: no i don't think i was ever elite in in hockey as i was actually uh I was okay growing up, but because I was playing in a hockey where there was no coaches or the training facilities and the coaches wasn't really that good, uh, which is also why after high school I stopped playing hockey and started playing floorball instead because my talent was a fair bit higher there. So I played floorball for the past 20 or so years and played in the national team as well, but uh, it's just so much easier because there's a million, yeah. you don't need an ice rink, you just need a, a gymnasium or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, but I started hockey statistics just because I enjoy stats and I enjoy hockey and I enjoy watching hockey. I don't really follow Danish hockey at all. At all. I just follow NHL. That's where my interest lies makes sense
1: what what is what is the average night of watching hockey nhl hockey for you in denmark because you're obviously what six seven hours ahead of us so a seven o'clock game for like ryan and i complain all the time when the rangers Mm -hmm. are on the west coast and play a 10 p.m game at our time but that's like a normal seven o'clock game for the rangers for you is like a 3 a.m start
2: yeah, 7 seven p.m. game is uh, 1 a.m. in Denmark, so it's it's about the worst time you can either <laughs> get up or you, you can't really get up that early. You say, I try to watch as much as possible, but it's difficult uh, simply because of the time difference. Uh, the Great, there are two weeks uh, every fall and two weeks every winter where you switch to... The what do you call it? Daylight saving. Daylight saving. So you get the extra hour. Yeah. yeah so, so there's it. Like two weeks when all the games started midnight instead of one a.m. Uh, and it That's goes. Uh, true. <laughs> so so like in a in a couple of months you'll have two weeks where games start at midnight, and then you'll have the same in February or whenever.
1: Is it, does it Does it hurt your feelings at all to know that us Americans absolutely despise Daylight Savings Time?
2: No, not at all. <laughs> we have the same discussion
0: in Denmark. We um, hate it. It's the worst. Uh, it's- I want yeah. to get back. I have two more questions that are really quick. I'm looking at your goalie uh, statistics here. Oh, and maybe this is an older version. But I'm looking at Igor Shosturkin, and he just seems to be so... F- far ahead of most everyone else is there was like, I know you said you rank goalies lower, but another goalie I'm really concerned about. And I say concerned on purpose is, is Sorokin. Do you see him sort of having the same effect as Igor Sturkin, where his model could probably be higher, even though he already has like an insane number.
2: Yeah, I think they are pretty much in the same realm of uh, quality, Uh, but i made some changes to the goaltender model from previous seasons and then to this season, uh, just in the sense that before that, I, I used all uh, on-block shot attempts to rank goalies. So even shot misses counted towards the goalie stats. Now I'm only using actual shots on net, which changes a bit of things. But but like I have, I think, four or five goalies that is... Far and above everyone else. So someone like uh, Saros in Nashville, is, I think, is very, very underrated as well. Uh, I actually have him number one in my projections. Uh, maybe that's too much, but that's where he's ranked. And then you have uh, Sistokin, of course, and you have Sorokin. And then you have Vasilevsky, and Connor Hellebock is also just stable year in, year out. Uh, So that's what sets them aside from everyone else. Everyone can have a best in a quality season, but then the next season they are below average. But those five goalies just appear to be near the top year in and year out.
1: I know we spent a lot of time talking about Lafreniere with you. And trust me, as Ranger fans, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Lafreniere throughout Mm. the entirety of the season Outside of him, is there someone on the Rangers that has your interest especially peaked this time of year, someone you're keeping eyes out for as the season starts?
2: Yeah, so I'm not necessarily a fan of the Rangers. I am following follow them that closely, but it's always fun to see someone like Lafreniere or Kaku for that matter that went so high into draft and were just slow to develop, so maybe they could take a huge jump, you never know. Uh, also, someone like Slavkovsky in Montreal, you'd think he's in the same kind of discussion, going first of all. It uh, should be fun to see if they can live up to that. Uh, Lafreniere is something that's interesting because he scored quite a lot of five 5-on-5 five goals, I think. Uh, yeah,
0: it's- that's correct. I think it's second in, of all Rangers over the past, like, two years.
2: Mm. And that's, like, normally one of the hardest things to do is to score goals at 5-on-5, five five. so it's, it's interesting if you can add to that maybe some playmaking skills and a bit more of PP opportunity. Uh, I think he could take a, a leap forward.
0: So now that I know that you... Uh, this is my final question as well. That It's very hard for you to watch games, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Is there a team in particular um, that you focus a lot of time on? Maybe, I don't know, if it would be your favorite team or is there a team that you're just very intrigued by?
2: Yeah, so I definitely have a favorite team. Uh, I've kind of made it a... on purpose not to disclose which team it is but just because it... That makes sense. It calls everything. Yeah. Uh, but there is a team I follow more than the others, but I just see it all the time whenever someone like Dom from The Athletic talks about Toronto. They say that's because you're a fan of Toronto. And so-, so I just prefer to not disclose the which right team it
0: here. is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that makes sense. I
2: do follow a specific team.
0: Makes sense. Uh Greg, any final yeah. questions for our dear friend here?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, my, the last one for me is an obvious one. Uh, I'll put you on the spot. Who do you have in your Stanley Cup final this year? What two teams do you think are the last two teams standing?
2: Yeah, so I think this is the year that Edmonton finally goes all the Whoa. way. I, I think they have, the, <laughs> they have so much top power, and I have them ranked near the very, very top. So... Those would be my that would be my team from the West uh, then from the east it's difficult it would the obvious choice would maybe be Carolina uh, those are, that are that's the team that I got ranked number one but you also have to mention some a team like New Jersey they're just so young Uh Question mark is the goaltending, both in terms of uh, Carolina and New Jersey. But I would say Edmonton versus Carolina would be my guess.
0: Uh, I would hate to see that, and I, <laughs> hope, I hope it doesn't happen. But I, uh, it's better than the Devils, I guess, question mark. But anyway, um, Lars, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug where people can find you, where people can find the website, and uh, where people can follow you.
2: Yeah, so again, go to hockey-statistics.com. Uh, there's a lot of things you can find there. Uh, not just the line tool, but a lot of different things as well. And please follow me on X. That's ho- <laughs> hockey it's good. So awesome. yeah, that's it.
0: Awesome. Thanks, uh, Thanks, Lars. We will talk to you soon, and we appreciate all the great work you've done. Yeah, no problem. Fun to be on. And we're back. All right, quick five stars, 10 minutes. Mm. Uh, if you want to leave a five-star question on the show, you can le- go to our Discord and leave them there after you subscribe to our Patreon. Very simple. Uh, there's a couple of long ones, so we'll do some of the quick ones as well. Uh, this is from Paul I'm Will often make the team he play well tonight? He will not, my friend. It's not on him. He's just going to go down to uh, like the AHL and kill it, like we said. Uh, this is Liv Lavi De Loca. Pretty good. Early predictions on who's going to be the team's punching bag this year. Boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Got an answer for you. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere, you, Greg? And Jonathan Quick. Yes, those are the big two, and they will be targeted currently. Uh, this is from Cole. Which ranger would make the best sandwich, and what would that sandwich be? It is called a Mika and Crider sandwich, and it's on rye.
1: Hell yeah. Who makes it, though? Oh, I don't know. Probably so, you don't know how to answer the core tenant of the Probably question. Probably Lobulette, He makes the lines. <laughs> no, I do think Crider would make the best sandwich, but he'll never be able to explain to me what ingredients are in it.
0: That's fair. He he would just start naming uh, exotic words, and I would just be like, "Yeah, sure, I'll eat it." Spices Whatever.
1: from the hilltops in Nepal. It's from Jets Ranger
0: One. What's the over/under on how many times Sam confuses Gustafson and Lingren?
1: It happened twice on Tuesday night. No. Oh. Uh, I, I but I, I don't 11 think 11 and even, a half I don't Probably. like those two specific players he confuses everybody all the time it's what makes us love Sam Rosen
0: yes it's my favorite part about Sam Rosen I can't I cannot wait it's getting a little chilly out the leaves are turning Sam Rosen's coming it's, it's mm. that time of year mm. uh, Jess Rangers says by the way the loudest building I was ever in was the Yankee Stadium 1995 playoff game when Madden Lee goes yard cool yes <laughs> <laughs> um, this is from dead uh, dead by Samboni I'm sure by now everyone has seen the clips of the Sphere in Vegas. Here's my question. Is Dolan more inclined to sell the team and the MSG if the Sphere is a success or a failure? I say failure.
1: It's not going to be a failure, though, is the thing.
0: No, it's already a gigantic success, and they're already thinking about building one in New York. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what train station can we build the next Sphere over that can then become a problem in 15 years? Jeez, I don't know, man. Uh, that's true. Is- <laughs> M- miserable.
0: Michael sen asks if we if if he were to encounter both at the same time, would Greg be more likely to punch the scout who recommended the Mets draft Brett Brady or Hong Kong Harry? Great question.
1: Hong, <laughs> Hong Kong <laughs> Harry first of all. <laughs> Brett fucking Brett Brady has never cost me money. He's a bad baseball player, but he's not taking money out of my pocket. Hong Kong Harry made it so my family couldn't eat for a month. Uh, Brettly asks, what do you
0: think each of your worst Ranger takes are? I've this never had a
1: bad Ranger take in my entire life. Frank Chris Kreider is the number one for you. No, because uh, I think I'm still right. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. It was tough. I and this was going back to before he signed his second bridge. I said straight yes. up, I
0: um, I've had some bad ones. I bad.
1: actually think the worst one though is me. I when we started this podcast, I started out as a Dan Girardi defender.
0: Yeah, that's pretty bad.
1: I, I, all right, I'll do mine. Um, I defended the Lane Vigneault for like a year. You sure did. Yep. I remember yeah. the day he signed his extension. You were shocked that I was saying they shouldn't be extending him, they should be firing Yeah, I was like, well,
0: he's a good coach. What are you talking about? That's probably my worst take of all time. Yeah, uh, it was not it good. No, I can't think of a worse one off the top of my head. Uh, I did defend Vitaly off but not that hard. Not that hard. Uh, all right, uh, this one's from Ali. It's really long, so I'm going to try and just breeze through it. Finally listened to Good Hangs 3 episode, which Greg clearly won with a much better group. Great. Yes. Uh, but one thing Greg said got me thinking. Greg made a comment about how Ryan's group has no GM to bring guys in to make it the better group. And I noticed that all the A's, Mika, Kreider, Artemi, Goodrow, are in Ryan's group. <laughs> what does Greg's super insightful observation about the inadequacy of leadership in Ryan's poorly chosen hangout group say about the leadership ability of the Rangers A's on the ice? Holy shit. <laughs> There's a lot more to this. She wrote a lot more. Allie, this is amazing. Um, astute observation? Uh, I, think, I think you said it yourself. I think you said it yourself.
1: Well, I think the A's are veterans, first and foremost. They've they been through the shit. They can share their wisdom with younger players, and they are respected in the locker room. But all of them need a strong leader to be effective, which, again, is part of why your friend group stinks. Truba owns the room. When he comes in, everybody understands that they are rank and file behind him. And they understand that they have a role to play behind him. So kind of
0: said this at, her, at, her, at her, the rest of her question, she said, don't read this. It's rambling. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but this is also honestly good hangs is exactly why I'm never upset. Chris Kreider doesn't have the C.
0: I like, it's a really good proven point. Um, I'm giving you the table. You have five minutes for buck.
1: Oh. Ugh. <laughs> Thank you uh, for coming to my buck talk. Uh, I am going to have to do a back the New York groove at some point. The this buck week. stops here. Yeah. I heard that a lot yesterday. Oh, Gary God. Apple and Todd deal right, said it a bunch on Did the post okay. game. Oh, shit. It's tough because I don't think it was necessarily deserved in terms of performance. I don't think buck could have done anything to change the outcomes of the Met season. He is clearly beloved in the locker room. Uh I, I, tend to think the true buck is more the 101 game winner. The Mets had last year and not whatever this calamity was this year. At the same time, you're bringing in a new president of baseball operations who by the way, is being announced at noon today. The Mets have actually said the name David Stearns, So that makes me very happy. Um, He's coming in. Why wouldn't he be empowered to pick his own guy in year one and just start fresh? Like, would it have been better for Buck for the Mets to keep him for one more year and then for him to just not be renewed regardless of what they did next season? I think Stearns should be able to, as Steve Cohen said, just let Stearns come in and choose his guy. And then, if that, at least then you can start grading Stearns immediately. And also, there are some intriguing names available, specifically the guy David Stearns chose last time, which was Craig Council, who's been one of the most winningest managers in baseball the last six years, and that the Brewers are cheap and might not pay and might just let walk at the end of this season. Uh, or yeah, there's I, a wink-wink deal, as there seems to be everywhere. So. Well, also, David Stearns is a big Carlos Beltran guy. And I, I haven't well, given up that spicy. dream. I haven't given up that dream, Ryan. I haven't given up that dream. I still think he deserves a chance at manager you won't find me complaining i think it's fine at this point but yeah the, the I, buck stuff it's i get it I, I feel bad for buck i don't know if he's going to get another job i don't know where it would be i think san francisco would be a really good fit for him um especially considering their president of baseball ops seems to be on the ledge and any I, I feel like buck is a really good guy to come in if if a team is teetering and be able to stabilize the ship um but i don't know man i i do think I think Buck did struggle a little bit with the changes to the game this year. Uh, part of that was a lot of Mets were at the World Baseball Classic, so they weren't able to be integrated into the new rules and all that. But I know it seemed like a, tr- a challenging year for Buck. I just think the reason it was challenging was mostly because players who needed to be good weren't good. and I don't think there was anything Buck could physically do about that. Um, I'll be sad to see him go. I'm intrigued to see what happens to the coaching staff. Cause you know, I'm a big Eric Chavez guy. I don't know if I want him to be my manager, but I kind of want him to stay in the organization. Uh, Joey Cora is one that my dad was like, no, we need to keep him. And I'm like, well, you need to keep a third base coach. That's interesting. You're an old, uh, Jeremy Hefner. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I think he's still under contract for like two more years after this anyway, and he's kind of worked independently of all the managerial changes the Mets have made the last few years. But you know, the managerial searches are exciting, and the Mets might have a pretty quiet winter in terms of signing free agents. So I'll at least have this to talk about.
0: Uh, I will talk about Yankee news because just as so we ha- we can talk about this, uh, he's everybody everybody's staying (laughs) everyone's staying. oh god
1: I love it it makes me so happy it makes me so happy
0: yeah I'm if I was the Yankee fan and I am not uh I would be I would be very frustrated to see the rest of my division and the the people that are supposed to be the teams I beat up on uh the Orioles are stacked out of their goddamn mind Uh uh-huh uh have three of the best prospects in baseball who aren't playing on their team they want a 101 games, uh-huh. and the Rays are, by the way, the Rays, they're never going to die. Well, they're just going to, every single year? Well, you don't, oh, you don't think so? You think they're, they're going to, what, what the Rays have beaten like they're over under every single year for like yeah, the last just, eight years. I
1: think if the police continue to investigate the Rays, we'll find out more things.
0: Well,
2: that's, fuck
0: you. Um, and, and the Red Sox are clearly going a different direction. The Blue Jays are on the up and up too. Although I don't know how long the Blue Jays stick around. I'm not really sure what's going Listen, on with I still, them. I still don't know if the Blue Jays are good. I think they're just middling and somehow have snuck in. Yeah, they're kind of. What's a that good NHL? So they're playing the Rays, and they're going to beat them. Now that I said, what's that? a good so,
1: NHL equivalent of of the Blue Jays? The Nashville Predators. Oh, I was actually I mean, going to say the Maple Leafs. It's oh, every oh, year. Oh, every oh. year we hear that it's going to be this big thing with Toronto, and no. then they make the playoffs and don't do the shit. Ma- Ryan, it's not
0: the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs have legitimate star power.
1: Oh, you don't think Vlad's a star? You don't think Bo Bichette's a star? Not the way the not the way Austin
0: Matthews is <laughs> or Neilander. Not the same way. It's not the same.
1: Yeah, I just think expectation but, and I resolve. Think, I think the Padres are the Maple Leafs. That's my that's no, where because I'm at the I. Padres don't make the playoffs
0: this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh. All right. We're gonna end the show here. You can follow me on on X, whatever. Orion Ryan Mead. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show, so I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for supporting this show, especially our NHL Insiders Club, which should be ramping up pretty soon. A lot of stuff happening. A lot of—I've started to hear the birds again, started to hear the rumors. We'll chat about them there and otherwise, of course, in this show and other places like Twitter.com. Look, I—let's get this out of the way. I say this during the show, and I apologize. I'm just going to go—I think I've made a decision. I'm just calling it Twitter. I'm not calling it X. I'm not calling it whatever you call it now. Moving on, please yell at me. I'm just calling it Twitter. It's Twitter. It's been Twitter. It's been Twitter all my life. I'm calling it Twitter. someone wants to correct me and say it's X, that's fine. Whatever. It's Twitter. It's the Bird app. Forever. I don't understand. Now that I've gotten that rant out of my uh, face, we will go ahead and talk about the people who support the show, like the credits of the show. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Gratullo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Cartner, Amber Cohen's Burger. Did I, just, did I just mess that up? It's a Koenigsberger. It's Ko- Koenigsberger. I think that's right. Have I been mispronouncing that the entire time? Oh, my God. It's been years. <laughs> Andrew Rahner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Mortaro, Anthony Terragata. I said Terragata. Look, I, I did this in one take, as you know. It's Tana Greta. Uh, it's just, it would be awesome if one day I learned how to read. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bennett Lo- Lomayera, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brandon- Brett... Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gall- Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru. You know, I could just record these once a month, I and mean, I do not. I do this for me, and I do this for you, damn it. Cringy, Ryan, cringy. Chris Haru, CJ Chris Salawaki, Conor Pedevich, Daniel Delaney, Daniel De- De- DeZan, David Narita, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Eric Stagg, Gary Greenis. Greg talks about the Mets. Garrett uh, Hayek is no longer a, a Ranger, etc. Gr- Gretzky, Garrett McFly, Harrison Hasco, Hello, Vanilla, Vanilla, Hip Painty 9 Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zabrowski, Jimmy Max, John Hardesty. going to the next page. Johnny Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Keshebaum, Christopher Florida, Christoph Burke, Leshik Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kaimi, Paul Cap, Mac- Matthew Koenig, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manas- uh, Mancuzu. I think I said that wrong every other week. Ma- Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafee. Neil Grover, Nicholas Dinico, Slash, Pascal, Perry Paul J. Smith, Pavel, Phoenix Ignition, P.J. Sisbarrow, Pearl Waltex Gamer, Randy Tester, Swinegart, Tag the Seamus, The Drop BK, Tommy Siclary, Tommy Dadeshi, Tony O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Torf Manhattan, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hey, Wayne E., Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Bark today, bark, bark, bark. Another great week. Another, close to, another week closer to Rangers. I can't tell if we're all freaking out or not. I really can't. Vocal minority stuff. We're always going to yell about the things that are the most obvious. Hey, could Lafreniere play well? No shit. Would love that. Uh, no one's really complained about Adam Fox yet. Makes sense. He's really good. No one's going to point that out. Um, and I also don't think I got a chance to say this during the show, but I think it's worth um, worth saying here. If there were pictures of Panarin like, out drinking or partying or playing video games, like no one would care. Maybe Panarin people would care. Who's a good example? I see people... I see people like rag on Chris Kreider. I still don't really get that. I feel like he's one of the most dedicated people to his craft. Uh, but like if Adam Fox, we just found out he plays the video games three nights a week. Uh, and he's out drinking with the boys on the weekend. I don't think anybody says anything because he's so damn good. And one of my favorite things about the Lafreniere narrative is just like, is he really focusing on his game? Like, yeah, dude, I think he is like, is it as hard as he could? I don't know. I'm not around for that, but I'm, I would say he cares. I'll go as far as to say Alexi Lafreniere cares about being good. I think everybody knows the pressure that he's under. He knows the pressure he's under. He wants to perform. He hasn't been that player. It sucks for everybody involved. Don't get me wrong. But I really don't think, like, I love the the narrative. I don't know, man. He's playing games and drinking. Uh, Let me introduce you to a player in sports history called Michael Jordan. (laughs) Can read about Michael Jordan? No, Michael Jordan doesn't matter because you're good. It, I it, this is what it always comes down to, right? You can get away with anything if you're good at what you do. For the most part. For the most part. Not anything. There are things you cannot do, of course. But for the most part, you can get away with it. And Alexi Lafreniere is seeing the effects of that now. Their grace period is over. A lot of his defenders are turning. I get that. Um, I just hope. Look, there's nothing more I want than the Rangers to succeed. I don't hope for his downfall. I hope he makes us all eat crow this season, and he's able to uh, just go out there and perform. I do wish he would see some ample time on the power play. To be honest, my ample number one time person on the power play is Kapokako. I think he'd be magnificent in the power play role, uh, especially with the left-handed shot. Even as a bumper, I think he really works in that position. And Trocek is back in the power play today, so maybe we'll just see the last year's power play. Whatever. Not sure. Uh, But I would like to see an extended run at Capo. But Capo, by the way, hasn't even gotten a shot at it. Kittle got the shot last year. Lafreniere got the shot. Capo has not. Maybe there's, I'm not the coach. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Anyway, this has been my extended end of podcast rant. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be back later this week with BSBOT. Love you guys. Bye.